What's up, guys? Our Wrestling Podcast, back at you with another episode. This is Dave Vicious, along with Just the Total Package, bringing you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards sharing opinions with you. Today's topic, Bret Hart of the year 1992. For audio fans, give us a listen on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Or watch our videos on YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel. Gosh dang it, can you do us a solid on social Ugh. media and give us a follow Don't on Instagram or Twitter at OWP2019. Or on Facebook at Our Wrestling Podcast. Jess, um, you brought up Brett for 92. What was your motivation to talk about this year for Brett? I'm fatigued in writing legacies uh, at this point, so <laughs> I... I want to start. I want to steal something from Conrad and uh, uh, take Conrad a year book, or two, yeah. Thompson, where you just take a year or two and you just talk about it, and you can actually kind of you know get some good content out of it. So I enjoyed our Brainbusters nineteen ninety or sorry, excuse me, our Brainbusters in the WWF nineteen ninety nine episode. So I wanted to do Bret Hart in nineteen ninety two, arguably his best year as a singles wrestler, his most influential and pivotal year as a singles wrestler. Some people may argue and say 97 was, and I would not disagree with you because of the formation of the Heel Heart Foundation, him being a heel in the United States, a face outside, and then, of course, we have the Montreal Screwjob in 1997. Uh, so I would say maybe this might be... This is right up there. It's either this year or 1997, in my opinion, that are Brett's two most important uh, years in his career. Uh, this being one yeah. of them, with wrestling in the state this of flux. Is from, and this is the less talked about for sure, right? Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, everybody yeah, talks yeah. about 97 in the screw job, and I think a lot of people don't talk about Brett's 1992 WWF year enough. Well, here's what's interesting, too, in 92. We'll just jump right in. Bret Hart knew his contract with the WWF was ending in early 92. He began to negotiate with WCW at that time. He was having a connection there with Brian Pillman, and Brett wanted to have a backup plan in case the WWF didn't have a plan moving forward for him. Brett was asked to drop the IC title to the Mountie at a house show in Springfield, Massachusetts. Brett wasn't sure if this was a move by Vince in case he deflected to that rival promotion or if it was the WWF putting the title on a heel to gain heat. And then Brett thought, well, then what do we do, right? Um... Uh, do you have plans for me? What, what's happening, right? And wasn't that also the match by Storyline Just where Brett had a 103-degree temperature? And yeah, that? that's what they said, kayfabe. He had, like, this 102, 103-degree temperature, but he, he fought in, <laughs> against the doctor's orders anyway. Uh, this past Friday night in Springfield, Mass., World Wrestling Federation history was made. The Mountie is the new Intercontinental Champion. Brett the Hitman Hart went into this title defense against the Mountie against doctor's orders. He had a 104 degree temperature. Obviously, Bret Hart not up to par. And to add insult to injury, as Bret the Hitman Hart lay in the middle of the ring, the Mountie pummeled him with the Intercontinental title belt. Roddy Piper, watching all of this from the sidelines, made his way to the ring to intercede for his friend Bret Hart. And Piper got more of the same kind of the Mounties brand of international law enforcement. Uh, but yeah, it was very wrestling. odd that they had Brett. So there's a lot of different things. Bruce Pritchard tells the story a little bit. Everyone's story, the, the core is always the same, but their details are a little different, like on the outer of the core. Yeah. Uh, basically, Brett knew his contract was coming up. Bruce claimed that Brett didn't know that if he didn't resign, it automatically grandfathered into like another contract. Uh, I don't know about that. 
Uh, I, I, I'm not How disputing Bruce. He was there. Bruce was there. But at the same time, like, I don't – Brett's never said that. Brett basically just said, like, his contract was coming up. He wanted more money. Brett, Vince was kind of like, I just want to stay the course with you. I don't want to – you know, I don't want to give you what you're asking for. Not that he wouldn't have given Brett more money, but not what Brett wanted. And um, – yeah. I think Brett even. I think Vince even knew. You know, once since he won the Intercontinental Title in '91, they put a lot of stock in Brett, and Brett was so talented, man, that uh, you know Brett knew what to do, uh, you know, to get over with the crowd, and he was doing really, really sure. well. Uh, and then at mm-hmm. the beginning of '92, he was just sort of like, you know, what else he got for me? I kind of want to make more money. I want to go higher, and he's like, no. And I think maybe they were tossing around having him lose to the Mountie just to get some heat, you know, throw it on the Mountie for a few months and, you know, get that honky-tonk man kind of heat, and then maybe Brett wins it back, or maybe not. Brett was just afraid that, well, if they take it off me and they put it on the Mountie and then they find another baby face to put it on, where am I going to go? Am I going to, you know, am I going to be the world champion? you got to figure, at the beginning of 92, you had Hogan, Undertaker, Sid, Macho Man, Rowdy Piper. All of them were still ended. We're going to talk about the end of 92. It looked complete. It's a completely different promotion. <laughs> 10 months Plowed later down, completely man. fucking yeah. different um but yeah. here in january you know he was like well, where am i gonna go if you take the belt off me so he was negotiating with wcw maybe it was just a mm-hmm. tactic to put pressure on vince vince will fine then drop the title at a house show pal and maybe that was kind of what they were trying to do with each other it seemed like a chess game to me yeah due to the uncertainty in both sides of the chess game that you talk about Brett missed the Royal Rumble in 1992 pay-per-view that saw Rowdy Roddy Piper defeat the Mountie to win the IC title. Uh, Jess, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that the first individual title that Rowdy Roddy Piper won? Come on, Matt. Yes, it was uh, the only singles championship that Rowdy Roddy Piper won in the WWF ever. Ever. Yeah. So... Uh, once Brett and the WWF agreed to a new contract, Brett would come back to action. And in April, at WrestleMania 8, Brett Hart would defeat Rowdy Roddy Piper to regain the Intercontinental Championship match. I'm sorry, in, in a classic match. Um, I, I I still think about this match to this day. I love this match. Rowdy, I, I think Rowdy that it's is not... debating hitting him with the bell. And I know I that Rowdy Piper kid. had bigger matches box office with Hogan in like the mid '80s and stuff. Sure. And I, I know that. Uh, and he had hot matches with Greg Valentine and Crockett Promotions and the dog collar matches and stuff. And he feuded with Flair for the U.S. title. I get all that, but I want to sure. say that if you're just like watching, like Piper's, you know, uh, uh, his work. His like you know career of work, I would say this is probably one of my favorite Piper matches ever. I mean, like man, it's this was really good. Match. I, I the psychology was good. Neither guy, especially Piper, being a little bit of an advanced age here, uh, and with hip injuries, um, didn't do anything that was out of his realm. It was really good. The psychology was really fun. Uh, Brett bled, and the ending was very creative. Man, I really enjoy the ending on here. So creative that they used the same ending for Brett and Austin at Survivor Series of '96. Champion. 
So um, there it is. this is yeah, this is the dude. Go back and watch WrestleMania eight. Piper against Brett. You won't be disappointed. You will not. Through the summer, Brett would defend his IC title against a few different challengers, most notably against the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. They would also introduce um, a little known match called a ladder match. Brett suggested the match since he had seen it in Canada at a house show to show Vince how that concept would work. Um, anybody and then they stole TLC? it. I, yeah, can anybody talk about ladder matches? I mean, come on, man. It's a lot. It well, a lot of people don't know that. You know, a lot of people go back and say that Michaels and Ramon were like the originators, but Brett brought the concept to Vince and Pat and just said, "I'm telling you, this will work." And so he and Sean did a couple ladder matches in the summer of '92 to show them and demonstrate well, how. Well, how shows, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, it's it's interesting because I want to say on one of the match. WWE Coliseum home video releases, it might be most unusual matches. I'm trying to remember the name, but there is a Coliseum home video out there that has the Brett and Sean ladder match. I would love to see that. I I, I don't believe I've ever seen Brett Sean ladder match. I would love to see that. That'd be fantastic. Uh, the original plan was for SummerSlam 1992 to be held in Washington D.C. And Brett would defend his title against Shawn Michaels there. However, the WWF would learn they could make the show an international affair and have it at Wembley Stadium. When Brett heard that, he knew the match had to be against Davy Boy Smith. And you can yeah, yeah. it out. So I kind of I kind of stepped out on the limb to go to Vince prematurely. This is Brett, by the way. This is Brett. This is being this quoted. This is Brett, Brett talking yeah. to Vince. Vince, rumor has it that you are going to England. And you're going to have a show at Wembley. I don't know if that is true or not, but if it is true, and maybe you were thinking about having me work with Sean and having me drop the belt to Sean, I think that's a lousy idea. I think you should let me drop the belt to the British Bulldog in England and have the British Bulldog drop the belt to Sean in a shorter run for Davey. And I, here's the thing. like, I, you know, Who knows if that happened, but if it did happen... You know, Brett understands the audience you're going to be in, how it's going to work. And by the way, it became the main event, didn't it? I mean, it did. When we talk yeah. about it. It was. So, uh, my, it was the only time. Yeah, I see. Still, I see. Still to this day, where the IC titles ever main evented a pay per view. I don't remember any right. other time any pay per view like that. Yeah. Uh, the IC title main evented. And that's that's where the venue and the nostalgia of British Bulldog makes that happen and you know brett's right brett's right 90 percent of the time you know so um we, we've talked about that we talked about how much we we kind of were disappointed in brett when we were younger and then when you start to get older and you, you hear the backstage stuff you hear all the stuff you're like i will oh, be the first i've said brett it many times right. man i did not appreciate brett when we had well first of all it was a love-hate relationship i love brett and I love the Hart, Hart Foundation is my all-time favorite tag team ever sure. because of Brett. N no disrespect against the Anvil. I like both of them together. I love the Hart Foundation. Their first incarnation with Jimmy Hart, then when they were faces, I love them. 
Um, and I love the reformation of the faction in 97, of course. Of course. Um, and I loved it all because Brett, when Brett first won the IC title for Mr. Perfect, I loved Brett. I turned on Brett when he became world champion, ironically, which in his career was his crowning achievement. But it was just the way the company was and the way he was presented as champion. I turned me off as a fan because we just came off the 80s, it's man. It's not him. It's the machine. Yeah. Yeah. It's the machine, and I didn't know that back in the time. Because in 1992, 1993, Jess, I had no idea what, how the business worked and what the politics were and what everything was we going on. We were teenagers, on. bro. Yeah, I was like, dude, we were fucking early teenagers, you know? So, like, yeah. I didn't know. Now I look back, I'm like, Brett, Brett gave us some fucking gems, man. He, belie- he fucking wrestled his heart out, pun intended. Yeah, without a doubt, without the a boot. doubt. Um, There's another quote for Brett. I didn't want to interrupt Sean's chances of getting the belt, Wrestlers wait all their lives to get that moment. For me to substitute Davy in Sean's place was not a fair thing to do. So I did go to Sean and tell him that. I said, Sean, I want you to know I went to Vince. I don't know if they actually have plans for me to wrestle you at Wembley, but if they do, I'm suggesting this instead. Basically, Sean trusted me enough to know that I was looking after him and the business at the same time. And by the way, they were friendly at the time. I know the lure is that Sean and Brett never got along, but back here in 92, they were friends with each other. They liked each other. Yeah. So, And Sean was just starting out. I mean, Brett kind of was new on his singles run, but Brett was just from his family upbringing and the time with the Hart Foundation. Brett was always regarded in the locker room. Even like late 80s, people were like, Brett's, Brett's a fucking good wrestler. He's a good worker. And everybody knew that. He was the best worker. Yeah, so even though Brett really only started his singles run in the summer of 91, and Sean started his singles run in January or February of 92, because that's when he turned on Marty, um, Brett seemed yeah. a lot more. He was Brett was a lot more seasoned than Michael was, like as a, as a singles Brett wrestler. Brett was more seasoned than anyone with with, with yeah. his work with his dad's federation years. I mean, Sean was a goddamn baby here and just starting his singles run. Sean was trying to figure out, you know, what everything was like. I how mean, does this work? How does this do not, that? So they were friends. They were friends with each other. Yeah. At that moment in in throughout history, I mean, Brett's got about five to seven years of experience on Sean. At that moment, and it's it's not a disparagement to Sean. Sean's just really more young. than more than that. But in WWF, he had that. I mean, Brett was in the WWF. I think he signed in '85, is when him and the Anvil mm-hmm. came in, and then they merged as the Hart Foundation. So Sean yeah. Brett had been there longer than Sean. And and Brett's career was just a decade above. Sean's. Yeah, I mean, just because it's, it's it's not a detriment to Sean. Sean came in very young, but they're they're they're. Come on, man. This is this is father time we're talking about. It's, it's a totally different world for each of them, and um, I, th- I think to, to to talk about that that if we're gonna go to Wembley, we should probably have the British Bulldog involved. Just a thought. In hindsight, you're like, duh, but I of you course, know, if yeah. Brett doesn't bring that up, what what do we see? It's 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 just wild to me uh, thinking about that. So at August uh, at SummerSlam 1992, in front of eighty thousand fans in Wembley Stadium. Bret Hart would lose the Intercontinental title to Davey Boy Smith in an instant classic that is still talked about to this day. What made it more special? We just celebrated it at Clash of the Castle. They had Bret and his family in the crowd, and Bret got a big ovation, and they talked about the last major event they ever had in the UK was fucking Wembley Stadium SummerSlam. You know, like, and they just finally returned there this year. I I hope we see a goddamn WrestleMania in England, man. I, I really do. I it, I think they're owed it. <laughs> it's yeah, terrible. you know. I think it's coming uh, soon too. Sunset slip. 
matches of all time has just taken place here at SummerSlam. The new Intercontinental Champion, the British Bulldog. What made it more special was that it was a face versus face match, meaning both guys were fan favorites. However, Vince knew the crowd would be solidly behind Davey, and that would not split the audience. That it is where um, location, location, location matters. So it had seemed that Brett was in a transition period, then seemingly out of nowhere, Brett would defeat Ric Flair at a house show in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. on October 12th, 1992. You thought I wouldn't get those locations correct. I, on the I you know, and I blame Brett for this, but the older Jess realizes that this was Vince's call. You know, the steroid accusations were starting to get really tight. Mm-hmm. Hogan had left by this time. Uh, the Warrior was suspended right before Survivor Series in November. So right before the Warrior got suspended... Like Vince realized, like I got to get the title off either old guys and or steroid looking guys. So mm-hmm. Flair was having an inner ear problem. He defeated Randy yeah. Savage for the world title in September uh, to win it for the second time. And Vince was Doing in a flux. Back, right? Yeah, Vince was, yeah, Vince was like, dude, like Brett showed me in the business. He knew how to do business by putting Davy Boy over by understanding. It's like we all saw on the TV screen Davy Boy go over, but backstage Brett really went over. He showed the office. He showed all the boys and girls in the back that like he is so, a leader. So to be clear, he he defeated Flair for the title in a house show, yeah. Yes, in a house show. So yeah. and I believe that it was for because the of his professionalism. World Championship. Yes, it was because of his professionalism in losing the IC title to Davy Boy in Wembley. I think, and, and main eventing it, like we were talking about earlier, Vince saw that dude, Brett's fucking, he's a rock. Like, he doesn't get fucking nervous. He doesn't fucking do anything. Yeah. Brett goes out there and does his goddamn work. So, like I said, on the TV screen on SummerSlam, when Davy Boy won, we, you know, we saw Davy Boy win. But behind the scenes, Brett really won because he won Vince over. He won a lot of people over back there, Patterson and all the other guys going, like, you know what? Let's give him a chance. And they- did Jack the referee, but he did not. Oh, he gave up. We've seen history made. Let's get the official word. My big critique, dude, is like just have him beat Flair in a pay per view. But I guess Flair was getting older I, here. But he had a, he had an inner ear problem. I think Vince really didn't under, didn't know what was going to happen with Flair, and uh, so Vince was just like, "You got to drop it to Brett." It's a bit you of know. panic mode. Yeah. So I blamed this lackluster run on Brett when I was younger, and I was wrong. And I'm here to say I was wrong. And I'm here to say that the 45-year-old Jess fucking appreciates him. And I wish that they – I wish that he could have – they could have taken Flair off TV, kept the title on him, let Flair, you know, get right with his inner ear problem. Brett could have beat him at uh, Survivor Series 92 and or Royal Rumble 93. I've always believed that. I was like, why wouldn't you give him a pay-per-view where he could have beat Flair on a pay-per-view? But for some reason one, – one day, I just tuned into Saturday Morning Wrestling Superstars – by the way, this past weekend at a house show, Bret Hart beats Ric Flair for the world title. I'm like, 
the last big match that we just saw Brett in was him losing to Davy Boy. If you're watching the product, right? If you're just paying attention to the the story they're telling us on screen. So out of nowhere, he wins the world title. I didn't buy it as a fan, and I loved Brett until that moment, and I was just like, I don't buy it. And then, like what you're gonna read on is he did the exact opposite of what Vince did with Hogan. Hogan would never fucking wrestle on a he dirty, open dirty challenge, wrestling bro. challenge. Open or, you challenge, know. man. Hogan only fucking wrestled big names on pay-per-views. Brett, what they did with Brett was on Saturday Morning Wrestling and Wrestling Challenge, he was defending the world title against Virgil, Skinner, The Repo Man, Rick Martel, Papa Shango. And it was just like, I felt... This is what I felt as a fan. You're devaluing this title. Hulk Hogan only you know, defended this title against Andre you, you know, Bundy. You, you know, know whose insecurities are being covered by that? VKMs, man. <clears throat> well, he was trying to change it, right? He knew I have to get the title off these steroid guys. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have to get the title. What better thing? What Brett, better Brett, thing to Brett's do? my best bet, but I still don't. <laughs> He's trust a good him athlete. Entirely. He's a good wrestler. Let's put it but on. But and then I don't you know, trust it, so I have to have him out there every week to cover. And, and, to and, and point, they came up with this whole uh, what? What did Vince call him? Uh, he was the Brett is the fightingest champion in WWE history. Whatever fighting is. Yeah, fighting his champion. Did he actually say that? No, he said that. Yeah, Bret Hart. So I, as a fan, am like, we're coming off the Hogan era. We're coming off the era where we had the Warrior Hogan Savage as our champions. And and then we get Bret. Now, behind the scenes, Bret wrestles circles around the Warrior. Don't make. Don't get me wrong. Hogan but, and even, even Hogan around Hogan, too, even around real. Hogan, yeah. and, te- and technically Savage, even though Savage was great. Technically, like, almost technically everyone Savage. in the locker room. Yeah, yeah. But as a fan yeah. watching it, I was like, dude, what, you you gave him no, and he wins a title on a, the world title on a house show, and then he's defending against Virgil. I hope he can beat Virgil. You, you <laughs> would think that the world champion could beat Virgil. I hope he can beat Papa Shango. You would think the world point, champion. By the way, know. how? How does Virgil get a world title shot? What is right. happening? Well, I hope he can beat Rick Martel because you've let Rick Martel lose to everybody else. So I hope he can beat Rick Martel. You know, you never saw and Hogan Rick Martel, a great AWA yeah. champion, but in WWF, it's a different story. Right. He was a tag champion. I, I, I understand, I understand well. what you're saying. Completely. So I got, uh, but that was the Vince wanted to go the opposite of Hogan. I don't want to save Brett. I want to overly put Brett on TV to really rub it in your face that he's my best wrestler. He's the world. Ch- so Vince at the time thought that not, would get And him he's over. not juicing. Yeah, and he's not juicing. And so attendance was declining even before Brett won the title, by the way. Attendance was declining in house shows. And so it was just – it. unfortunately, Brett's first championship, because there was no buildup. There was no getting us used to Brett being it, on the world was, title it level. It was in the steroid trial era. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, his first title run to me was sucked as a fan. Time. Because it it wasn't sure. hyped. They didn't get they didn't give us a pay per view win. They didn't give us anything like that. Um, but How Brett, much, hey Jess, the performer uh, just, Brett though, the performer Brett was stellar. Oh, oh yeah, without yeah. a doubt. How much time was put into to legal strategy versus the actual product? Is oh my god, it, you know I would say eighty percent legal strategy, twenty percent product, right? <laughs> just, and like, Brett, you, Brett, yeah. you got this right. You got this. So yeah, I'll yeah, go out there a bit. Yeah, that's what I'd say. So, at Survivor Series 1992, Brett would close out the year by defending his WWF Championship against the newly crowned Intercontinental Champion Shawn Michaels in a solid match 
In December, it was announced that Brett would defend the WWF title against Razor Ramon at the January Royal Rumble. We all know that 1993 would be a very controversial and odd year for Bret Hart. Um, but I have to tell you, when you really rack up this year, um, you got to say career-wise, if you're if you're looking at a resume, this was Bret's best fucking year. He starts yeah. off as he loses the Intercontinental Title at House Show, wins it back, and then he ends up as the World Heavyweight Champion by the end of the year in the span of less than a year. If you like look 11 at months, it for hype, you're like. Why was it done this way? Right. But then later, you know, the older Jess and Dave and Craig and all of cuz and all of us, we all learned, oh, dude, they were in a state of turmoil in the back. Like, they were just, Vince was fucking fighting for his life, you know, with all these accusations. He had to get the title off somebody. I still you think... Remember, I, you, remember, dude, you remember Spider-Man Rick trying Flair to ended the, up wrestling at the... Trying to hold the, the subway back? Yeah. I feel like Bret Hart, Bret Hart is doing this. He's like... Like oh, Spider-Man? I'm trying to hold it together. Yeah. And no it, one's help. No one's And it's funny that the pay per view that you said that Brett ended the year on when he defended the title against Sean. I think that's probably mm. their best television match or pay per view match. I I understand what the Iron Man match means to people, but I feel that their Survivor Series '92 match was their best match on television on pay per view. As a fan, I think this match is great. Um, but Ric Flair wrestled on that same card. You couldn't have had Flair drop the title to Bret at Survivor Series. That's my point. You know, I I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe if Flair's inner ear problem scared Vince, and Vince was like, "What if he can never drop it? What if this is like a bad or problem?" What if, what if what if Flair was going to him and said, "I have I have a serious issue." Yeah, and I can't drop the title. You know, like then he's like, "What do we do?" I guess you have a tournament at Survivor Series. There could have been anything they could have done. My point. Like, but Vince wanted to. Vince was going through the air. Maybe if I have it change at a house show, that's going to get people to go watch my house shows. Wow! If the world title will change at a house show, it could change hands anywhere. And I yeah. totally disagree with that. I've said that very loudly <laughs> and proudly on past episodes. I think that's an awful fucking way to treat your titles because it devalues them. However, I understand. No one had ever done that before. Well, the territories had done it, but Vince had never done that in his national promotion. I don't blame Vince for trying this, right? He had the best guy to do it. Brett, fucking who better? But um, I wish that we just got a clean pay-per-view win. He beats Flair at Survivor Series 92 for the world title. It's a different run for Brett. It's different respect. It's different, like, the fans will accept him in a different way. The way they did it, it was just hard. We had no buildup. We saw him lose to Davey Boy in August, and then out of nowhere, this guy fucking wins the world title. We're like... How did this happen? And then he's defending it against Virgil, Rick Martel, the Repo Man, all these lower guys. And we're like, what are you doing? Like, why are we believing in this champion? We, I hope he can beat them. He better be able to. Hogan could. And I know that's so you know, weird for me to say, but Hogan could. And it's just kind of – Brett had a thankless task of being the world champion after the Hogan, the Warrior, the Savage era. It was just not friendly for Brett. At that time. You know, you know what we lose out of all of this, and I know I'm jumping way ahead with the screw job and everything else. Brett, 
understands the psychology of this business and what if what if Brett was in the is in the shadows over the last couple of decades because they're like hey Brett we fucked up we want you to come on we think you'd be great helping helping out people I, I just I just wonder where the talent would be if Bret Hart had some kind of influence as a matchmaker, um, uh, you know, someone that that strategized matches like like Jamie Noble does, like like other people do, and I think because of all this turmoil and all this stuff that he had no control over, by the way, the story trial, right. um, the screw job, the screw job, bad timing, um, where. What if Brett was a real influence with, say, a Triple H and a Shawn Michaels right now? Which, because of all that turmoil, I don't know if it'll ever, they'd ever trust each other. But if things have changed a little bit, what could Brett have as an influence to talent today? Because he understood it. He understood the business. He, under, he understood you can do less to do more. You hate. Let, let's push this off because we're going to be in Wembley in six months and this makes more sense and then we'll finally give it to Sean like he you know you see those things he understands those things as a wrestler too he's a former wrestler he gets that and I just feel he's such he could be such a huge um, advocate to wrestling today whether he was here AEW another place and I think he's so he's so withdrawn from it because of how it was how it treated him. It'll never happen. And I think that is the biggest um, disappointment of wrestling right now that he's not involved that way. It's not even his fault. And I agree. I agree completely. Yeah. Not his fault. He was a victim of the circumstance in the era he was in. Yeah, he was so good. Yeah, he was in '92. I'm glad we covered it. I feel, like I said. Besides 97, I feel this is the most pivotal year in Brett's career, easily. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's the most uncovered and one of the most uh, poignant. So, And how many great matches? We started off with Rowdy Piper at WrestleMania 8, the British Bulldog at SummerSlam, testing out the ladder matches with Shawn Michaels, then ending the year <laughs> against Shawn Michaels, beating Ric Flair, all these fucking big moments. Man. 92 is a big year. Yeah. Go back, go back and check it out. For audio fans, give us a listen Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts, or watch our videos on YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel. On social media, can you give us a solid and follow us on Instagram or Twitter yeah, at OWP2019. Wow. Or on Facebook at Our Wrestling Yeah, do what Podcast. you want. No, just watch the same bullshit you always do. It's fine. That's all good. Hey. Don't educate for yourself. Justin, for Justin Dave, this is the OWP Signing off on a good episode. I like this one, man. This was fun. Good. Hey, man. Have a good one.